1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul's address, thanksgiving, prayer, and reflection on his visit. Address, thanksgiving, and prayer. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6a. Introduction and Overview. The greeting and salutation in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, bears the name of Paul and his co-workers Silvanus and Timothy. Paul is not a lone missionary pastor, but exercises a collaborative ministry alongside others. A number of writers have recently called attention to this fact, especially Olrog, Bruce, and Harrington. Paul omits any chosen authoritative title, standing alongside his readers or hearers in friendship. The writers modify the merely conventional greeting form, which is used in Greco-Roman literature, combining the traditional Hebrew greeting shalom, peace or well-being, with the traditional Greek greeting chairin, changed to charis, grace. In verse 1, they speak of the readers as, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Neil Richardson shows how closely Paul related Christ with God theologically, and Larry W. Hurtado has shown how very quickly Christians associated Christ with God in Christian devotion. Thus, verse 1 sets out a potentially Trinitarian, Christological, and ecclesiological theology. Many modern scholars refer to a thanksgiving form as a regular feature of Greco-Roman letters. Thanksgiving can be found among Paul's contemporaries and in other Greek-speaking Jewish writers, and in non-Christian writers of the second century. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, the thanksgiving melts or merges into the body of the letter, as it does in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. But this thanksgiving is warm and affectionate, not merely conventional. For example, Paul addresses the readers as brothers. This was an early term for fellow Christians, and it is repeated in this epistle some thirteen times as an address. It suggests warm affection and solidarity with the readers. They establish new bonds in a new community. Paul typically begins his letter with prayer, which becomes a repeated theme and which he promises to offer constantly as a caring pastor. Faith, love, and election become key words in Paul and faith. Further, election remains forceful, anticipating Romans chapter 8, verse 33, God's elect, and in chapter 16, verse 13, Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Election may seem offensive to some modern readers as constituting an attack on human freedom, but Paul's point is that the validity of the reader's faith does not rest ultimately on their own determination. This theme pervades the biblical writings, including God's choice of Noah, of Abraham, of Jacob, of Israel, of Israel in Paul's thought, and of the church. Ben Witherington argues that whereas the exordium is often rhetorically distant from the narratio, here the exordium flows naturally into the narration, in verses 4, 5. In epideictic rhetoric, there is some repetition because it amplifies its themes. But even if Paul sometimes follows rhetorical procedures, writers tend to see the epistolary genre and theological content as more important than rhetorical forms. The phrase, not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit, also becomes a typically Pauline one. Karl Barth expounds this Pauline theme in The Resurrection of the Dead.
Affliction is frequent in the Septuagint. It occurs in Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 through 6, Philippians chapter 4 verse 14, Romans chapter 12 verse 12, as well as 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 3, 7, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 4, 6. The contrast, humiliation, glory, became a regular one in Paul. Imitators occurs in Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, chapter 11, verse 1, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Antoinette Weir and Elizabeth Castelli argue that Paul's language about imitation imposed an authoritarian and manipulative rhetoric upon the Pauline communities.